Hey everyone, my name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, my friend Vivian is back and we're talking about the movie My Best Friend's Wedding. Hey Viv. Hello, hello. Thank you so much again for being a part of this. I'm very excited to talk to you about this movie. Me too. One of my faves. Same here. All right. So a few things about this movie. It was released in June of 1997. It's directed by PJ Hogan, written by Ronald Bass. It stars Julia Roberts, Dermot Mulroney, Cameron Diaz, and Rupert Everett. The IMDb.com summary is, when a woman's longtime friend reveals he's engaged, she realizes she loves him herself and sets out to get him with only days before the wedding. It has a 6.3 on IMDb, and it made more than $299 million worldwide. And then just a few other fun facts. This movie was actually nominated for one Academy Award for Best Music, Original, or Comedy Score, and three Golden Globe Awards in 97 for Best Picture, Comedy, or Musical, Best Actress for Julia Roberts, and Best Supporting Actor for Rupert Everett. All right, so Viv, let's start with you. What would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? So this is a very beloved rom-com near and dear to my heart. Please don't make fun of me. I am giving this movie a 9.5. I love it. I firmly stand behind that rating, (laughs) (laughs) 9.5. As you should. I'm giving this movie an 8.9. Similar to you, it's a very, very solid movie. It's a highly rewatched movie from my, my youth. But why did you choose to discuss this film and what's your relationship with it? I think to me, I probably fell into rom-com somewhere in like middle school, high school as like a trope of movies I really enjoyed. And I think to me, My Best Friend's Wedding actually is like that defining moment. It's got such a great sound cast, such a great cast of characters. And this idea of like this bittersweet sensation or this, you know, this message of like love can also be bittersweet and you may not end up with your quote unquote partner at the end, I think is really romantic. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I I appreciate that ending a little bit more than like all the cheesy other rom-com endings that I'm I'm used to. That's interesting because the last movie we did was How to Be Single. And that movie also doesn't have your traditional rom-com ending. That's true. There's a pattern in which... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I, I don't like it when people end up together. I think there's something to be said about those movies ending very traditionally man and women get back together or come together. But yeah, there's something to be said about a refreshing movie when it doesn't end like that. Yeah, that never actually never occurred to me until now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm psychoanalyzing you in the in the rom coms that you like. (laughs) I I guess yeah, I'm gonna keep an eye out for future movies we do together if this is a pattern of yours. For sure. But yeah, I don't think I saw this movie in theaters. I definitely had like a VHS Pretty sure I have the DVD, um, but it's streaming on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. You probably watch it on your DVD. So we're going to have to come back and do like a 2.0 version because I am a proud owner of the DVD, but I didn't get a chance <laughs> to watch the DVD prior to our recording. So I'm sad to say I don't have a review of like the bloopers and the you know alternate endings and things like that that I typically like to review. Right, but- right, right. But yeah, I actually watched this movie definitely during the pandemic. And then I, I watched it again, like just a few days ago, just to make sure it was fresh in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I like when I saw it pop up on Netflix, I was like, yes, this is such a timeless movie for me. Mm. And I'm sure you and I share, you know, how we both feel about this movie. But I don't I'm, I'm curious if like your audience and just the general public also 
love this movie as much as we do. Well, so that's like one of my questions later on is like, you know, is this movie beloved and popular? But I think we could, you know, you and I obviously think it is. And I think this movie does have lasting power just because Julia Roberts is in it. But Mm -hmm. I was really surprised to find that the IMDb is a 6.3. Okay, can I ask you a question? Because I feel like all the movies that we've talked about have done really poorly on IMDb. And... (laughs) I'm curious, of all the movies that you have reviewed, have has IMDb ever given it above like an 8.0? Um, that's a good question. I don't think so. So I just released 500 Days of Summer. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, IMDb score was like a 7.7. I think that's the highest one. Well, that's high. That I've talked about. And I mean, it's a good movie, you know. But I do think that it's very bizarre that these quote-unquote beloved rom-coms are scoring really low on imdb like this movie i feel like rom-coms in general are not highly respected pieces of art Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 500 days of summer to me was like sort of indie when it came out like when i was living in southern california it was like playing at like the my local indie movie theater Mm -hmm. so maybe that's why i got a 7.9 or 7.8 But yeah, that is really high. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it premiered at Sundance, which is, you know, like an indie film festival. So it's not Mm -hmm. totally catered to mainstream movies, whereas this is a very, very mainstream movie. So maybe Mm -hmm. people just kind of write it off, you know, like this is Mm -hmm. a silly rom-com. And to be honest with you, of a lot of the rom-coms, this is a very fun and silly one. Like this is not a movie that I think is trying to say a whole lot, but it's just so fun and very entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I love it. All right, so let's let's talk like more specifically what we like about this movie. I think you and I will probably agree on a lot of topics on this movie mm-hmm. in general, but yeah, let's let's hash this out a little bit more. What do you what do you like about it? I I love the cast, and again, I only really knew Julia Roberts at the time because this came out in gosh, we were in sixth grade, so we were what twelve, thirteen. Yeah, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> so other than Julia Roberts, like. I think that was the first time I had seen Michael and George's character. Cameron Diaz was, you know, I think I saw The Mask, which came out, remind me again, before this movie? Yeah, it came out in 1994. Okay, so just two years before. So I'm I'm sure her face looked familiar, but all that to say, I love the cast. It, it just felt like everyone got along on screen. Nothing felt forced. Mm-hmm. I think the soundtrack is straight fire. I would like create a playlist called My Best Friend's Wedding and like build off of that because I think the soundtrack is so good and so um, it just has so many classics on it. Mm-hmm. I also just want to pause and reminisce for a little bit because back when you and I were in middle school, you used to make me like mix CDs. Oh and I just all of a sudden was reminded of that fact. And I miss those days. And I miss you making me mix CDs. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you, Napster. I, I remember like I in my head, I was like, I'm really creative. I'm going to call this Viv's Hot Mix volume number 18. <laughs> and I would gift them to my friends. And like, that was such a like that was my love language back then was like coming out with like the coolest compilation of songs to put on a CD so we could like drive around Warren. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I love it. I miss it. Uh, sorry, continue, please. Um, no, I, I, the soundtrack is like one of my most beloved soundtracks of all like movie soundtracks. So that that plays a big part for why I love the movie so much. And then going back to like this ending of like you know the, the bittersweet ending where 
Julianne, you know, she doesn't get to go home or, or, you know, get married to her childhood best friend. And that idea, I think, is is really sad. And it's really romantic, because I think a lot of people can relate to like, you know, it's just a window of opportunity that gets missed. And Mm -hmm. with falling in love, it's all about timing. And I think it's something that subconsciously, I think people think about, right? Like, oh, like, it may not be as dramatized to the effect that my best friend's wedding talks about, but I'm sure there's like a person in everyone's life that they wonder if, oh, is that the one? Is you know, am I just friend zoning him or mm-hmm. could there be something more? And then like in the blink of an eye, you know, this person could have another romantic lover. And then that's when you, you know, come crawling back and you're like, wait, no, I, you know, why didn't we have our chance? So in yeah. a lot of ways, I think that theme is relatable. And I think, you know, I've wondered the same thing myself, like, oh, did I let somebody go who was meant for me? Mm. But anyways, I just I love that theme. It's relatable. It's bittersweet. It's romantic. It's kind of like all those things wrapped up into one. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's very bittersweet, which I never really thought about um, using that word to describe this movie. But I think it's you're absolutely right. One of the things I really like about this movie is that it highlights Chicago. And I just want to shout out Chicago because I'm originally (laughs) from there. There's a few rom-coms, I think, that take place in Chicago. But I watch this and I think Chicago, for sure. There's a lot of call-outs to how amazing this city is. So I'm just appreciative of that fact. Yeah, and for someone that is not from Chicago, I mean, I've I've gone and visited one time, but... I I like that it's sort of a departure from your typical rom-com that's set in New York City. Of course, New York is magical and I don't think any other city could compare, but I I do appreciate the like departure from that, that setting. Yeah, the last two movies we've talked about, you and I, have taken place in New York. Yeah, 13, going on 30, and yeah, how to be single. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. The other things that you mentioned, like the cast, obviously, that's a non-starter. I think this introduced me to Dermot Mulroney as Michael. Cameron Diaz, like you, also just, I think I had seen her in The Mask. And then this movie, I think this is the movie that most of us probably fell in love with her. She's just so bright and sunny and optimistic and lovable. And then Rupert Everett, who plays George, I don't think I'd ever seen him either, but kind of fell in love with him in this movie. But I think the only other thing I've ever seen him in is Inspector Gadget. And I think he's the bad guy (laughs) in Inspector Gadget. So my experience with Rupert Everett is very, is just this movie, basically. Yeah. That's so funny. That's the only other movie that he's in. I mean, he's in a lot of other things, but that's all I've seen him in. Yeah. Yeah, I I only know the Inspector Gadget reference because I have younger siblings, but that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, My brother also was very into that movie, I think, growing up. So that's the only reason I saw it. I think we can like talk forever about the things we like about this movie, but let's move on to what we don't like about the movie. Do you have anything in particular that you don't like? So I think as like someone who is a perpetual planner and like likes to know what I'm doing for the next week, let alone month. I didn't like that Michael calls up his best friend, Julianne, and says, Jules, I've met the love of my life. We're getting married on Sunday. And the day that he calls her is on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that time frame, that like four-day time frame, I didn't like just because I didn't think it was very realistic. But mm. I'm sure it's been done. I'm sure. Like, I would move my life around for someone like you, Michelle, because... You're someone I consider very close to my life. But I just, that idea of like... Thanks, Viv. Same. I, <laughs> but like, how how can you plan yeah. 
Yeah, it just, it, it, like, boggles my mind. I'm like, wait, four days? You drop everything in four days? So are you kind of coming at it from, like, Julianne's perspective? You're like, wait, four days. I have to, like, reschedule things? Maybe I am. And, and Got it. Okay. You know, she decides early on, like, she's made this pact with Michael. And so, like, you're sort of rooting for her, too, to, like, wait. But she has to get that in there in the four days that Michael is going to get married. So... Maybe it's a little mm. bit of that, like, you're sort of empathizing with Jules, even though she's, like, not a great person. Right, right. Yeah, but, yeah. To your point, at the beginning, we don't know how terrible she is just yet. So True. the four days is, like, oh, my gosh, can she pull this off? Yeah. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of things that I didn't like about the movie. I think what I didn't like about it is that there's a long list of WTFs for me. Mm. And I kind of struggled with this idea, like we were just saying, by the end of the movie, you're like, Julianne is a terrible person. But throughout the movie, I didn't know, like, are we supposed to be rooting for her to win back Michael? Or are we rooting for her to fail? Like, Mm -hmm. it was just kind of towing this line, like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about her. But because I've seen this movie a million times, I'm not thinking about it that much. But if you actually do sit and think about it, you're like, Julianne's the worst. Why am I rooting for her? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I actually didn't really ever think about it that way until really just rewatching this movie and, and watching, you know, everything with like a grain of salt. You're like, wait, she is a horrible yeah. person for being okay with splitting up Michael, who is her proclaimed best friend and in Kimmy. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, but wait, like, why can't she just tell him that she loves him? Like, it's this like push and pull. Ugh. I know. She should do the right thing, but like she should, hopefully she gets her last, you know, admittance or um, expression of like how he's really the perfect one for her and whatever. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she's not a prime example of, you know, what a good person should be. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a testament to how good Julia Roberts is in this movie. Like, if you look back and you look closely at certain scenes where she's trying to sabotage Kimmy and Michael, she has these looks on her face where she's like, happy, but then she's pretending to be sad, right? Because she's like, oh, I I need to pretend that I'm sad that they're breaking up. But she's secretly very happy that she's caused all this friction in their relationship. So Mm -hmm. I just think Julia Roberts did such a good job in this movie. Because I I guess, yeah, you kind of are rooting for her at the beginning of the movie until you finally Mm -hmm. realize, oh, she's willing to do anything to break up this marriage. Yeah. Crazy. Are there any other things that you didn't like about the movie? Um, I think I I share the same observation that like there's not a whole lot I didn't like but if anything they were more like WTF moments but Mm -hmm. one of the things that I repeatedly ask myself is like would you realistically make your fiance's best friend your maid of honor right because that's a big deal this is like some Mm -hmm. this is a role in your you know one of the most important days of your lives that you typically reserve for like a sister or like a best friend yeah and the fact that Kimmy does make Julianne, her maid of honor. I mean, you can see like the strategy is like she wants to get close to her, right? Because she knows Michael Mm -hmm. really adores Julianne. They have all these inside jokes. They have so much history together and she may not measure up to Julianne in Mm -hmm. that regard. But ultimately, Michael loves Kimmy. So I just didn't, again, like this is probably me looking at rom-coms and being like, but it's not realistic to get married in four days. And why would you make this person your maid of honor? Like Vivian, yep. this is rom-coms are not realistic. And I, yep. I, I get that, but that's one of my, I guess you can say don't like it about it. And also a WTF moment. Yeah. I do think that that moment is quite unrealistic. Um, I think Kimmy is being strategic, but maybe not 
Not manipulative. Right. That's the word. She's not being, she's not doing it to be manipulative. That's right. Mm -hmm. I think she probably is hopeful that, yeah, Julianne can become like a sister to her. And so this gesture of me making her my maid of honor is just one step towards that bond. Yeah. Okay. Well then let's move on to favorite scenes. I have a long list of very notable favorite (laughs) scenes, so I wouldn't be surprised if you do too. We probably have some overlaps. Yeah. 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 So why don't you start off? Okay, so one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie is the I say a little prayer scene where George flies into town Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Michael cannot figure out like what the fuck is going on. And so Julianne and, and George basically say that, oh, we just got engaged and they celebrate over lunch with Kimmy's family and George serenades her with the song yeah. and like everybody in the entire dining room chimes in it's like just the most like ridiculous but adorable scene and it's like the it's the scene that like my parents to this day will like iconically remember like oh yeah that's my best friend's wedding but I, I love that scene because it's yeah. like so endearing and cute and just it's a lovable moment I love this scene as well it's so fun there's not a whole lot of movies where you kind of break out into song other than musicals obviously i love like the the people in the restaurant were all chiming in like even the i don't know waiters were like waving their like hands with the claws and <laughs> the background that was really really fun for me mm-hmm. the guy like gets on a piano yeah he just like jumps right in like no questions asked <laughs> i love it do you think george just straight up made up that story of how he and julianne met i do like on the fly on the fly. That's amazing. Because I never really questioned it until my recent rewatch. I was like, oh, wow, he's really quick on his feet just coming up with this story about meeting Julianne in a mental institution and her wearing <laughs> pink. Like, it's so specific. It's so, like, preposterous and so not Julianne, too, which makes it even funnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Michael's like, you don't wear pink. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's also very sweet that he knows that, like, his best friend doesn't wear certain color. Like, you know, that's that shows yeah. intimacy. So that was really sweet. That's true. One of my favorite scenes, I think is quite iconic to the movie also, is the karaoke scene where Kimmy sings terribly. And this is the first moment that Julianne is trying to sabotage their relationship. <laughs> but ultimately, Julianne fails, like, way worse. I think this moment actually makes Michael fall more in love with Kimmy. Mm-hmm. You feel for Kimmy in this in this moment because you can also tell like Julianne's like trying to rehash like these inside jokes and Kimmy's like trying to insert herself. I just I, I felt for Kimmy in this scene. Yeah, you like cringe for her, but at the same time she just like belted out, doesn't yeah. care. I love that about her. She's just yeah. like it's true Kimmy. True Kimmy, yeah. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? Do I? Yeah. <laughs> I do, in fact. I have a couple. Okay. Mariah Carey is always a solid choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I once lost my voice singing to um, Alicia Keys, This Girl is on Fire. Oh, that's a good one because you can belt that one. You can belt it. And she has a long, she has a big range. Yeah. And if you're amongst like close friends and you don't give a shit, it's like so cathartic. Yeah, for sure. What's yours? I have one of my go-tos is Coolio, Gangsta's Paradise. <laughs> are you serious yeah why did i not know this i don't know i guess we don't really karaoke together that often also like when will karaokeing be a thing again i'm kind of miss it oh my god i know but yeah this scene very unrealistic in the sense that kimmy belts out 
to a room full of like, I don't know, 50, <laughs> 70 people, strangers, like, no. Give me a private room with like five of my closest friends and then things will get weird. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I have, I've actually never sang in like a karaoke bar amongst strangers. I've always done the like what you did, like the private booth and you have like, you can order food and drinks and like have your, you know, yeah. your, your best friends there. Yeah, oh, I miss those days. All right, give me another scene. What else you got? Okay, this one is a little sad, but apparently I like sad things. So it's like Julianne and Michael's last afternoon together alone. Mm -hmm. And they're on that like architecture boat tour. Mm -hmm. And Michael is talking about something that he loves about Kimmy is her approach to love. And she says, and he's quoting Kimmy, like, if you love someone, you just come out and say it. Otherwise, the moment just passes you by. And during that scene, their their boat, like, goes under the bridge and, like, the sun kind of, like, fades out. And it's, like, you can read it however you want. But it's sort of symbolic of, like, is that their moment that they're literally passing by? Mm -hmm. And then he sings The Way You Look Tonight. They're, like, basically slow dancing at this point. And I, it's just a really tender moment um, between Michael and Julianne. And I think it's... You know, Julianne is this like really hard and like callous and tough person who's very career oriented. But she actually, I think that's the first time she cries. Mm, yeah. She like, and she hides it. Like she like turns her head away from Michael so he doesn't see. Um, I love that scene because I think she's still chasing this guy who's in love with another woman. I like, you kind of wonder like if she knows deep down, like this isn't going to work out. Like you're not mm. going to steal him. Mm -hmm. But she tries and she tries multiple times to sabotage their relationship before the wedding. But I, I love that scene because it's just another bittersweet scene and just yeah. a reminder of like how close they are. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. This scene really moves me. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I've cried at this moment in past viewings. Yeah, it's tender. It's bittersweet. And you're like, come on, Julianne, you can do this. You can just say how you feel. And it's all like kind of exacerbated. Like you, you feel these feelings because Michael's also, he caveats like this might be our last time alone together. And you are like, mm -hmm. this is probably your last moment, Julian. Like you should just do it. Yeah, this is a good moment. Good moment. Mm -hmm. So I have another sad moment as one of my favorites. And I did cry watching this this past time. I'm pretty sure I cry most times at this scene. It's actually after the wedding. Kimmy throws a bouquet. Kimmy and Michael depart for, the, uh, for their honeymoon. And Michael comes back and grabs Julianne and hugs her. And that's the moment where I'm just like, I feel, I don't know. What do I feel? I feel sad, but happy. I guess bittersweet is the right word to use again. It's sweet because Michael kind of validates Julianne and being like, you are still my best friend. Mm -hmm. This is goodbye, but like, I'll see you later. And Julianne mm -hmm. is just like scared that she's losing her best friend. But she yeah. feels like he came back. He came back to hug me to say goodbye. And yeah, I think also like the music swells. And yeah, it's just a very sweet moment between the two of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I also like that moment. You see her like it's people are like starting to pile out and like to watch the send off and you sort of see her like start turning around and, and kind of give up and then mm -hmm. Michael comes back and scans the crowd and, and like pulls her aside and like kind of gives her that one final goodbye. I like have shivers like I feel so I'm just talking about it. But yeah, I <laughs> I really like that moment because it's like this is it. They did it, you know, like they tied the knot. Yeah. And they're starting this next chapter, but he'll always be there for her, even if it's not romantically. 
Yeah. And I like that there are like no words are said. It's just a hug and bye. Mm -hmm. Like that was it. It's just very, very touching. Just piggybacking off of that, because I think one of my one of my other favorite scenes is right before that, like just a couple minutes before that scene. You know, Michael kind of talks throughout the movie that like him and Kimmy actually don't even have a song. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that, you know, given their long standing relationship, he and Julianne have a song and it's The Way You Look Tonight. Mm-hmm. During the, the Maid of Honor speech, Julianne gets up and this is sort of like the first time she composes herself after admitting to ruining Michael and um, Kimmy's, <laughs> Kimmy's big day. So she's, you know, she's kind of trying to save face, but she does like the most heroic thing, which is dedicate their song to Michael and Kimmy. And it's, it's sung by Kimmy's, I think, cu- cousins who are twins. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's like an acoustic version that's just really nice and sweet. And it's also a scene of the movie that like, I will fast forward to that scene if I'm looking for a good cry because it's such a selfless thing for Julianne to do considering how horrible she has been up until that point. Yeah. So one redeeming thing I feel like she has, she does. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've also cried at this moment <laughs> in past viewings as well <laughs> because Julianne's crying, you know, so you just, you just feel her sadness. Mm-hmm. I think she's come to the terms where she can be happy for Michael, but she's also very sad. So again, bittersweet. Yes. So I have one really funny moment, or I think it's funny, is um, George comes to Chicago the first time and is trying to convince Julianne, you know, like, just tell Michael the truth. Tell him you love him. But it's the scene where Julianne's trying to tell Michael when Michael's getting his suit uh, fitted. There's some misunderstanding. Michael goes to meet George and they're like, congratulations. Michael, I think, says something like, you know, what are you doing in town, I guess. And then Julianne goes, he came in for a few hours to fuck me. And then George is just like, huh, it takes a few hours. Just like trying to recover from that. Like, I just, I thought it was hilarious. I didn't really get that joke when, you know, when this movie came out in 1997. But <laughs> in middle school, yeah, when George says it takes a few hours, I, you know, makes me laugh now. He's got a great sense of humor. Just like his ability to like think on his feet and come up with these like yeah. crazy lies. So good. So good. Love George. Everybody needs George. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to close out with one. It's the jello scene. Mm, that's a good one. It's the wedding day brunch scene at Kimmy's parents' house. And mm-hmm. Julianne's trying to explain, you know, Michael doesn't want creme brulee. He wants jello. And just that exchange uh, just cracks me up. Yeah. And then Kimmy's like, but I want, I can be jello. Yeah. Julianne's like, you're never going to be jello. Just like the way she says it cracks me up. Yeah. So many good scenes in this movie. So many. Let's move on to WTF moments. I know we alluded to a few earlier, but let's kind of get into it a little bit more. Do you want to start? Sure. So I think I shared that one of my WTF moments is like getting married in four days is crazy. I will just reiterate that again. I think it's crazy. Yep. And this isn't so much a WTF moment, but like you you don't blame Julianne for acting the way she does because Michael also is pretty flirtatious back. Mm. I'll give a couple examples. So when they're trying on dresses in the fitting room, this is like sort of still in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. Julianne gets on the phone and she's probably talking to George. And then Michael comes in and she just has like, she's like barely got anything on and and he makes a comment like you look really good without your clothes on Mm. like would you say that to someone who you're 
was a previous lover and you're marrying somebody. I don't know. I, I thought like I would read into that probably if someone said that to me. I mean, I think also it's hard to kind of put some disbelief aside off the bat because we know that Julian and Michael dated in college, but then they broke up. But then we just have to believe that they've been platonic this entire time. Mm-hmm. And platonic friends don't comment like you look good naked, you know, so it's like, right. yeah, it's a little bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he finds out that Jules is engaged to George, like later on, she questions like, were you jealous? And he goes, yeah, I was crazy jealous when I found out mm. you were engaged. Again, would you necessarily say that when you're two days away from getting married? Probably not. Hmm. Yeah. So just something I want to call out because Julianne is, is not a good person. But again, you can't blame her for feeling like she has some kind of like glimmer of hope. Yeah, agree. I actually have one other scene where I feel like Michael kind of not leads her on, but like, yeah, Julianne's not crazy for thinking that this might happen is when Julianne has tried on the wedding band and Michael sucks it off her finger. Like that's very sad. Oh, yeah. That was so unnecessary. <laughs> so unnecessary. It's like, of course, Julianne's going to feel like I have hope this could happen. Yeah, I forgot. I totally forgot about that scene. Um, I have a few just like off the bat when this movie starts. I think it's a little unbelievable that they're 27 in this movie. It's so young to have a marriage pact for 28 or Julianne's turning 28 in three weeks, apparently. But when I, you know, when we saw this movie 23 years ago, you're like, oh my gosh, 27 so old, like, <laughs> or 28 so old. But yeah, you're now that we're in our mid thirties, you're like, that's so young. My other WTF about this moment is that Julianne's only 27 and apparently she's a very successful food critic, which I think it takes time to get to that point in your career. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how she got there so fast. And also restaurants, from my experience and understanding, they don't usually know when a critic is coming to critique them. Hmm. They usually fly under the radar. So I was kind of frustrated watching that part. I was like, no one in the kitchen would know that a VIP is coming as a food critic. Yeah. Because then that's just kind of unfair. That defeats the purpose of restaurants. Like if you know the VIP is coming, then of course you're going to put your best foot forward. That's true. And then she also tells the waiter this, I'm going to write you up as confident and I forget what the other word is she uses to describe the dish. Inventive or something. Yes, inventive. Thank you. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. What else do you have? This one is not a glaring WTF. It's just like my personal question of they never, the movie doesn't really do a good job explaining why Kimmy decides not to finish up college. Mm-hmm. Like she's so close to graduating. I think she's like, what, a junior? I think she's a junior. I think she's one year left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guess that the reason is because Michael's job takes him to cities and he has to travel and they just want to get married and be together. But I don't know, for someone that, values education I, I don't know I just I, I don't understand why she has to be in this like big rush when she has so little time left yeah I agree with you I don't understand the rush why can't she wait a year graduate school if she wants to be an architect like yeah she kind of needs a college degree mm-hmm. I agree with you on that one my other thing about Kimmy is that she is so okay with Michael and Julianne's relationship and friendship like we as an audience we don't really see her being jealous And I mean, you mentioned this earlier, like she's strategic and making Julianne the maid of honor off the bat. But I don't know. I just kind of find it a little bit unbelievable also that she's not more threatened by Julianne. Mm -hmm. But don't you think those people exist? Like the people that are, and that this is not me whatsoever, but the people that are like (laughs) not jealous and so trusting 
I guess. I do think that they exist. I think you're right. They do. She's also so young. Maybe she just doesn't know any better. She's so young. That's kind of my other thing is that like, yeah, she's so young. Like how, how much dating could you possibly have done up until 20 or 21? Yeah, for sure. And like, I was trying, I'm trying to think of myself at 20, like in no way, shape or form was I ready to get married at 20. Mm -hmm. You got to live some life. I mean, in my opinion, but you know, everyone's different. Yeah. These are kind of nitpicky because, you know, I've seen this movie so many times, but this one especially is quite nitpicky. It's the day of the wedding brunch again. Julianne is just so underdressed. She's wearing like a crop top and black (laughs) jeans. Like everyone else is dressed for like afternoon tea or something. Yeah, Yeah. that's a really good point. She's wearing like a green crop top and like black pants. Yeah, I mean, she probably is underdressed because she doesn't think this wedding's going to happen. But still, like, let's be a little bit more respectful here. And then this is super nitpicky, but if you ever go back, you'll notice that she's actually wearing two sunglasses. It's very bizarre. I don't understand why this is happening. Like, are you saying throughout the movie she's wearing two sunglasses? No, just this one scene. Like, she has them on her face that she's wearing, like, properly, but then she also has one that's, like, holding up her hair. Oh. And then later on, like, the other is, like, tucked under shirt. Like, so she has two on her head. Yeah, it's weird. It's just a very close watch, and I noticed that. <sighs> I'm going to keep going. I have like one or two more. (laughs) Michael forgives Julianne so easily at the end. Yeah. Uh, Julianne's been a shit friend and he's just like, thank you for loving me that much. Like what? (laughs) That's his ultimate comment. Yeah, I agree. Like you just try to break up my, my marriage and that's all you can say. But also like not even once. She does it like multiple times and like sending this fake email from the father-in-law to the boss. Like that's just so messed up. And Michael's response is just, thank you for loving me that much. Well, he does say like, you're the, you're pawn scum. You're like the, you're worse than pawn scum. But like, really? Yeah, exactly. Those are like pre-K curse words. Those aren't like, yeah, it's very forgiving. Yeah, yeah. And then this isn't really a WTF, but this is kind of more of an overall question. So I noticed at the end of this movie, or at the end of the wedding, Kimmy and Michael are sent off to go on their honeymoon. But the party continues without them there. And I was thinking about the weddings that I've attended. And I was like, is this strange that the party goes on without the bride and groom? What are your thoughts on that? That is such a good observation. I feel like this only happens in movies. Yeah, I will say that I've been to one or two weddings where there's like a send off, like with sparklers and stuff like that for like a photo op. But then that's effectively the end of the party. Like we don't continue to party without them. Yeah. No, I've never been to a wedding where like, oh, and they're leaving on their honeymoon. It's 10 o'clock, but the venue is shut down at midnight. We're just going to continue, you know, partying. Right. I've never been to a wedding like that before. But this isn't the first time I feel like I've seen a wedding scene in a movie where it implies that the newlyweds are going on their honeymoon and like the party keeps on going yeah maybe this just happens in movies yeah maybe i'm sure it's been done i guess it's just an interesting observation i had i guess i'm just gonna come out and say it but i think kimmy's wedding dress is really ugly i do too oh my god i'm (laughs) so happy you said that i also don't like her hair i'm so glad that you agree with me um same here (laughs) i mean we should probably cag it this is a 90s wedding so sure like the bridesmaid dresses in the beginning of the movie like that little cute vignette montage like those dresses were prettier (laughs) yes agree with you 
So 90s. I don't know. Like, it's kind of more like a blink and you'll miss it for Kimmy's wedding dress. But like, just I'm not a fan. It's ugly. It's like so poofy. It doesn't look like Kimmy. Like, it's not something that Kimmy would wear. That's true. It doesn't look it looks like something her mom picked out. Yeah. Like Kimmy, I think like she's very sophisticated. She's 20. Like she's wearing shift dresses and like scarves and, you know, (sighs) cardigans wrapped over her, her shoulders. But like, yeah, she's very preppy. Exactly. This was not a preppy uh, wedding dress. Not at all. All right. Do you have any more or did I just kind of... I think you gave me some more to add (laughs) in my arsenal. (laughs) It's kind of fun to go back at these movies that you've seen a thousand times and like really watch it because most of the time I'm just watching it in the background or just, you know... Yeah. I'm not really 100% paying attention, but when you do pay attention, you catch all these really small things and you're like, oh, this is so unbelievable. Yeah, from the amount of times I have watched this, it probably will take me a second longer to like, oh yeah, I can't believe that happened. Just because I've watched this movie so many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm realizing now that I skipped a very important question. Oh, which one? I skipped themes. I guess we've kind of talked about it a little bit here and there, but is there anything that you have to add about themes of this movie? I think one of the main themes to me is that timing is everything. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you can miss your shot and yeah, just that timing is everything. But also just this theme of like, I think the ultimate goal or the ultimate like dream is like, yeah, you do want to fall for your best friend, right? Like Mm. it's this trope that often gets played out in rom-coms. So those are, those are the two that I I had mentally jotted down. But I, yeah, I didn't think like this movie also takes place over the span of four days. I didn't think there were any like glaring themes Mm -hmm. to me at least. No, I agree with you. I think, like, it's just a very fun, entertaining movie. I don't think it's really trying to say a whole lot. Yeah. I agree with you about the themes. I think one of the themes that I took away was, like, love can conquer all because Kimmy wins her man. She stands by her man and she, you know, forgives him. Mm. But then also, like, love doesn't conquer all with Julianne. Like, she loves Michael, but Michael chose Kimmy. Mm. You know, just because you love someone doesn't mean that they'll return the love But is it love, though? Is it love at that point, or is it just competition? You're right. That's a really, really good question. Yeah, and, like, even George asks, like, is this about winning, or do you actually love him? Oh, yeah. I freaking love George. (laughs) Serving up truth. Dude, George is the best. He asks all the right questions. He does. And, like, he tells Julianne how it's going to end, and he still, you know, he's like, well, you should do this. Like, go tell him that you love him, but it's going to end like this. Like, yeah. he's just the best. I think this scene at the end where, like, this send-off happens, she says goodbye to Michael, they're, they're, they're off on their honeymoon. He calls Julianne on, on her cell phone. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about George. And he's like, you're just sitting by yourself at your table, drumming your fingers on the, on the you know, the tablecloth. She's like, I didn't tell you my dress was purple or lavender. Mm-hmm. And he shows up and like, that's just the sweetest gesture at like the lowest point of Julianne's life when yeah. she's just lost her best friend and her potential lover or whatever you want to call him. Like the fact that George shows up in a full on tuxedo. Yeah. He's like, you know, there's not going to be love. There's not going to be sex, but by God, there's going to be dancing. Like he's just yeah. a loyal friend. And sometimes I feel like that's, that's an expression of love too. Like maybe mm-hmm. love does conquer all. Cause that was like such a sweet endearing moment. That's the only thing I think that Julianne needed at that time. Yeah. Agree with you. Everything you just said. The other thing I like about George is that he's never condescending. You know, even Mm -hmm. though he 
knows how it's going to play out. And he tells Julianne, like, he's going to choose Kimmy. He's not going to choose you. He's mm-hmm. never like, I told you so. Or like, you're dumb for wanting to do this. Yeah. I think that's a really difficult situation to be in. Because I feel like I've been in situations where my friends are like, Michelle, you know, this is the romantic pickle I'm in. What should I do? And I mean, I just, I'll use George's inspiration, right? Like he's encouraging, but he's never condescending in his encouragement. Yeah, he's not judgmental. Like she is trying to rip this guy apart from his fiance and never once does he call her like a homewrecker. Yeah. Shout out, George. Um, We talked about the ending already, but is there anything else you have to add to it? No, I just, I loved it. I love the way it ended. In fact, I think I would be less attached to this movie if they did end up together. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. like if if it was like happy or if it was more expected, I think I would feel like, eh, that was nothing memorable. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think this movie is so good because it doesn't have that traditional rom-com ending. Mm -hmm. But fun fact, it's part of my trivia, that there was actually an alternate ending where Julianne meets someone at the wedding who's actually played by John Corbett, but it was tested and audiences didn't love that Julianne met someone new. They didn't think that she deserved that kind of happy ending. And they also wanted more George. So they brought George back. Oh yeah. I would not have liked that if she met someone at the wedding. Yeah. There's um, actually, I, I found a very, very grainy YouTube video of the alternate ending and yeah, no, it doesn't land. I'm so happy with, with the ending that they chose. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think these char- any of the characters, are they likable or relatable? I think everyone's likable. I think this is like a, if this were in real life, I actually could see myself getting along better with Kimmy versus someone like Julianne. I think Kimmy is someone who's like down to earth. She's down to have fun. Like for someone who is very wealthy, she's also very unassuming, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just very approachable. Whereas Julianne kind of has this like better than thou air about her. You know, she's callous, she's fiery. I don't know, I just think Kimmy is probably a little more easy to get along with and she's more lovable. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think off the bat, I I would also be drawn more to a Kimmy than a Julianne. But I wonder if Kimmy is too naive in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. But if I were 20 and I was meeting Kimmy and Julianne, yeah, I think I'd be friends with Kimmy. Yeah, I guess it depends on like what what's my age. Yeah, maybe like where you are in life. Like, I could understand Julianne too. Mm -hmm. She's just career minded and she's a little bit more cynical in love because she probably has had heartbreak. Yeah. But yeah, I I think ultimately though, Kimmy is definitely more likable than Julianne is for sure in this movie. So I don't know if you noticed, but they mention a lot in the movie that perfection can be annoying. They're talking about Kimmy and how she's perfect. Julianne's like, there's nothing annoying about her perfection though. And this wasn't really a concept that I thought about a lot because I don't think anyone's perfect, but Kimmy is pretty perfect. Like you mentioned, she's, you know, very wealthy, but she's also very down to earth, but she's also very likable and lovable and warm and, you know, all these things. But I think it's kind of interesting that Julianne's like finding something to hate about her, but she actually Mm -hmm. can't find anything to hate about her. Yeah. It doesn't, isn't there a scene in the movie where George asks her like, well, do you like her? Like, yeah, other yeah, than yeah. the fact that she's engaged to your best friend, like, do you like her? And Jules says something like, honestly, she's great. Yeah. But because it's Michael that she's, you know, getting married to, like, this can't, <laughs> this can't happen. But yeah, I, I think Kimmy is pretty perfect. Yeah. 
she's like bubbly and cute and all these things. Maybe it's not realistic, but she is really likable. Yeah, agree. Um, I don't think we need to belabor this point, but George is hands down our favorite character in this movie, right? He's the best. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Anything to add? I don't think so. He's just my favorite character. I Michael is actually, I think, come to think of it, he's kind of boring. I think compared to George, Michael is very boring. And like, I get that this movie doesn't really paint Michael and like, we don't really know a lot about him. Like he's a sports writer and mm-hmm. it's low paying, but he loves it. So we kind of get this understanding that he's very authentic in the sense that he doesn't care if his job doesn't pay well. At least he's doing what he loves. I think that's kind of the only image I get from Michael. And that that is very likable. But other than that, I think he's kind of vanilla. (sighs) He's kind of basic. Kind of basic, but he's like so sweet. And again, like I have a hard time believing that these people are 27 years old. I feel like they're very mature. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wait, you think they are more mature or less mature than their age? I think they're more mature than their age. Maybe Julianne isn't because, you know, she's trying to sabotage, but... Now, like, yeah, in my 30s, watching this movie of, like, people who are in their mid to late 20s, you're like, was I like that at that age? And I don't know. I feel like of of the rom-coms that you and I have talked about and reviewed, all the characters that we've talked about have been in their late 20s and 30s. But looking back, they seemed, like, older. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, and maybe it's because when we watched it, we were in, like, high school or middle school, and then as we grow into our 20s and our 30s we're like that is not what a 27 28 year old yeah should look like or should have accomplished by then mm-hmm. yeah it's funny that these like expectations of age don't really level up yeah it's so deceiving it's dangerous i think in many ways <laughs> um but a, a few other things about george um i think he's the hero in this movie he really just is the star of this movie also, he flies to Chicago twice within four days. Like, that is a best friend. That is a best friend. Like, I don't know if Michael's the best friend. I think George is the best friend at this point. That's a good call out. And then I have one thought or one concept that I didn't really think too much about, but I kind of took away from after watching this movie is this gay best friend trope. I think in a lot of other rom-coms, like, the best friend is usually like this gay man who isn't usually a very developed character. And I think this movie made the gay best friend trope, like, very mainstream. You think so? I do, because George gets a lot of, well, not a lot, but, you know, you and I, obviously, like, we love George. He's one of the best parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. But we don't really know anything about him. He's an editor, but that's all we know. Like, he's married. They host dinner parties. Is he married? I don't know if he's married. I know he has a partner, but I don't know if he's married. Oh, I didn't know he had a partner. That's an interesting observation because the gay best friend as like a narrative. I don't know. It'd be hard to like pin back like which rom-com started it all. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. this was what, 96? 97, yeah. Okay. Hmm, that is interesting. It's hard to retroactively like remember movies from back then. Right. But when I watched this movie, I was like, oh, I think this was a very formative movie where I was exposed to this, like, gay best friend idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did find myself wanting to, like, know more about George. Like, as an editor, like, what did he do? And right. why is he always hosting, like, fancy dinners <laughs> at his house? And why is he always, like, at a library? Yeah. yeah. By the way, that library reading, it sounded like the reading was, like, an erotic book. 
I don't know. I had. I, think, I, had, I think it was. I had captions on, and it was like, "Wait, what's happening?" It was just very funny. <laughs> it's a good catch. I have to rewatch that scene. Oh, George. So my next question is: Do the characters stay together? But since Julian doesn't get Michael at the end, I guess my question is: Do you think Kimmy and Michael stay together all these years, twenty three years later? I I think they do. I don't know. They're so different that you sort of believe that they'll last. Mm. I guess the, the real question is like, is Juliana the picture? Like, is she still best friends with Michael? Or mm-hmm. has she, is she in the picture as like an aunt? Like a family friend that has grown with them? Like and their kids potentially? Um, but I can see, I can see Michael and Kimmy being together. Do you? I think they do. I guess my, my follow-up question was, like, what does their life look like? Like, is Michael, like, this very successful sports journalist? And did Kimmy mm. ever get her architecture degree? I, I have this idea, like, they live in a very beautiful home in Chicago like suburbs. Yeah. Maybe Kimmy, like, got pregnant young. They had three kids. And maybe she went back to school. I was like, oh, this is a very, uh, it would have been fun to kind of see how that relationship played out. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I Yeah, I can see them like having 2.5 kids and mm. this big old house and Michael is successful and, and maybe inherits like a really important role through her his father-in-law. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, for some reason, I can't see Kimmy finishing up her degree. Oh, really? Because she's so accommodating. Hmm. Do you think Kimmy also ends up working for her dad? Either that or I think she could be, like, perfectly happy being, like, a housewife. I don't know. I just – I have this vision of Kimmy just being, like, happy. Whatever happy is means, like, supporting her family. Yeah. I can see that, too. Yeah, because throughout this movie, she's just like, I don't care where we honeymoon as long as we're together. You know, I'm going to not go back senior year because I just want us to be together. Like, she just wants to be together. And I I get that. You know, I get that. Mm -hmm. But to your question, if Julianne is in their lives – that's a really good question. Um, I think that Julianne is maybe either really, really close in their lives or like not at all. Mm, I can see that. I, yeah, I think I think Michael and Julianne are still close. You think so? I do. I mean, I, I'm hopeful that they are. Do you? You don't think that they, they would still be friends? I don't know. I, I'm better about it now, but I used to like never believe in platonic relationships between a, a guy and a girl, especially if they had history. But who knows? Maybe they do share a lot together. I mean, didn't she share in the beginning that like, like they've had other relationships and they have lost parents. So they, and there's more history there. So maybe. Yeah. Do you think people actually make marriage packs? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends and colleagues that have ended up marrying like they're like someone that they went to grade school with but mm-hmm. not because of a package just because they were I think reconnected again later in life mm-hmm. so to answer your question I don't think so but what about you I don't think so either I think this is a rom-com trope that people like have bought into or like we were forced to buy into but I don't think this is an actual thing yeah I could see this being a thing like before modern technology was available. Yeah. Like maybe if you're someone who like couldn't leave the town you grew up in, then maybe you're like, if we don't meet someone new by the time we're 25, we get married. But like, yeah, I don't think this is a thing. Yeah. Also, 28 is so young. The pack that Julian <sighs> and Michael make, like, no. 
True, but it's also the 90s. I feel like in the 90s, people, I don't know, it's 27, 28, kind of old. They probably made this pact when they were in college, right? So they probably were like, oh my gosh, 28 is so old. Yeah. So it was probably a silly pact. Yeah, but I'm with you. Like 27, 28, you're still trying to figure out what you want to do with your career. And yeah, you're still growing and going through all these different, I mean, not like beginning to go through them, but like hopefully going towards like the tail end of your search for what you want in a partner and who Mm. you are as a person. Yeah. I know you and I both really, really like the soundtrack and we've talked a lot about the music already, but is there anything else to add? Other than that, it's straight fire. Nope. (laughs) It's the best. It makes me laugh that you use the phrase straight fire. It's so good. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack. And I think because this movie was uh, released at such a formative age for you and me, like that also, I think, implies that the music that is associated with these movies are also very formative for us. Like Tony Bennett singing... The Way You Look Tonight. The Way You Look Tonight. Yeah. Like this might have been one of my first introductions to him is because of Mm. this movie. So yeah, there's something to be said about watching these movies at a, at a young age and then the music also, you you absorb that. Yeah. And that becomes really, really close to you as well. Yeah. Do you think this movie's aged well? Um, I think so. I, I know when we come to this question, the theme of like technology always comes up and like, sure, there's like an answering machine that would have been replaced by like a text message. But I think all in all, I think it does age pretty well. Yeah. What I love about My Best Friend's Wedding is, in my mind, there were, like, a whole string of rom-coms that were produced around this time, like, late 90s, early 2000s, that were really classic films. This is definitely one of them. And maybe I love them because I think they have, for the most part, all aged pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this movie has aged well. But I do want to call out that the opening song, the, you know, the little choreographed dance, Wishing and Hoping. Mm-hmm. I was watching it with the captions on and I was like, oh no, this song is very sexist. Am I going to like this movie anymore? Like, I have a fear now when I revisit these old movies that I loved growing up. I'm like, oh no, is this movie not going to age well at all? Like, is this going oh. to be very offensive? But I mean, song is a little uh, sexist, but... Yeah, other than that, I think this movie's aged pretty well. I mean, I do always make a note of if there's diversity in this movie, and there is hardly any, I believe. Yeah, I mean, the whole movie is very vanilla, don't you think? The whole movie... Yes. I don't think there's a single person of color. Uh, Agree with you. Like, not a single person of color. And yeah, it's a little hard to believe. Like, not even supporting Yeah, no one. It's hard to believe because it takes place in Chicago, you know, and like there's a lot of diversity in the city of Chicago. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that bothers me a lot rewatching these movies, but I understand. Different time, different place. Yeah, it's just different time. Yeah, and Hollywood Studios, this was just like the thing that they did. Yeah. So when I do see diversity, I get very excited and I applaud mm-hmm. the producers, the filmmakers, because... Yeah, it's kind of a more real depiction of life, I guess. But, I mean, this movie's kind of silly, but, you know, still could have used some people of color in this movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good call out. I skipped over this question, but I don't think we have anything else to add other than the fact that we definitely believe that this movie is beloved and has longevity. For sure. I think it's one of the few rom-coms that if I were watching it at home and my parents were to walk in, they would like actually sit down with me and, and watch it. Mm-hmm. I can't say that about all rom-coms. Right, right. 
um, yeah, I think it's got lasting power. I think it's stood through the test of time. Again, like kudos to the cast and the fire soundtrack, but I think that's what very much makes up the movie. Yeah. I also think that the fact that it didn't have a traditional rom-com ending kind of lends to the longevity of it. You know, like it's not too sweet, too saccharine. Like it's kind of refreshing that Julianne doesn't get her man at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not cheesy. Yeah. All right. So I have some trivia points here. Um, I was really curious to find out the ages of the actors because they really hone in on the fact that they're 27 turning 28. Mm-hmm. So when this movie came out, Julia Roberts was actually 30. Dermot Mulroney was 34 and Cameron Diaz was 25. Hmm. Drew Barrymore was considered for the part of Kimmy. Oh, that would not have read the same. Totally agree. And then similar for casting, Sarah Jessica Parker was also uh, supposed to play Julianne, but she actually had just booked Sex in the City. Also would have read the same. Or would have not have read the same. Yeah. I mean, Julia Roberts makes this movie. Totally. And Julia Roberts, I think she was like the most famous of the cast members of this movie. So she actually had some influence in the casting and she handpicked Cameron Diaz. Oh, really? That's a yeah. fun fact. It's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. And then I mentioned earlier the original ending. But other than that, I didn't really find a whole lot of interesting trivia. I think we can wrap it up. I feel like this conversation was just like 10 minutes long, but we've been talking for quite a while. I know. I <laughs> I feel like this is like when when I knew you were going to launch this podcast, I was like, where's my best friends when I have to put my name next to that movie? Because this is just such a classic movie for me. But what's funny is that you're like... <laughs> Maybe it's because it does span only the course of four days. Like, I felt like I had more to critique in other movies that I've done with you, like mm-hmm. we have reviewed with you. But maybe that just goes to, like, it's an uncomplicated and likable movie, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That, that's a really interesting point. No, I agree with you. I think there's something to be said, like, if a movie takes place over, like, a long span of time, I think there's maybe, like, more things to poke holes at or, like, lack of continuity or, like, character development. Like, in this movie, the time is really short. But yeah, do you have any last takes or last thoughts? No last takes other than I will call you again when I watch the bloopers of the DVD that I have. Please, please do. And then maybe you'll you'll revise your IMDb rating to 90 something. <laughs> That's my ultimate goal always. Yeah, I I think 8.9. I don't know why I didn't go higher than 9. I don't either, Michelle. That is a really good question. I'm a little disappointed in you. <laughs> I feel comfortable bumping it up to, like... Like an A-? minus. Yeah, I was going to say like a 9.2. Okay. All right, I officially changed my score to from an 8.9 to a (laughs) 9.2. Yay! Because you you said you were going to do that in the last movie I reviewed with you, but I came to find out you didn't change your rating. Yeah, you're right. I was not swayed in my last review, but this one, okay, I'll give it to you. (laughs) I am moving it up. My work is done. <laughs> My one last take of this movie is that Kimmy and Michael's wedding, I think growing up was like my dream wedding. Oh my God, see. <laughs> like the outdoor tent. Yes. And like live jazz band. Oh my gosh, but that's literally the three things I wrote down <laughs> is that it was outdoors, it's under a tent and the live band. <laughs> That is so funny how these rom-coms are so formative in like our dream weddings. I know. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful wedding. 
Do you know the venue that they shot it at? I don't. It's somewhere, I think it's like, it might have been a private residence in Chicago. I could be wrong, Uh so don't quote me on that. But when I got married and I had to plan my wedding, I still wanted this outdoor tented wedding. I think this movie had a play into that. I mean, I, you know, I had a version of a dream wedding. I loved my wedding, but a part of me still wants an outdoor tented wedding. Um, so I have, I have to come clean. I actually think the movie that comes to mind when I think of like outdoor tented wedding is actually Father of the Bride. Am I making this up? Doesn't she have an outdoor wedding? It's like not as fancy. It's like somebody's backyard. It's her backyard. Yeah. It's her parents' backyard. It's tented. It is. Yeah. It is tented. And it's like, it's still a nice house, but it's definitely not like a private residence with like this full on. Right. Right. You where they like, they bring in rental furniture and. Mm. Yeah, it's just very beautiful. Yeah. Well, maybe one day if I ever have a second wedding. <laughs> Frank, are you listening? <laughs> if we ever renew our vows, maybe I will request to do it outdoors under a tent with a live band. That's the dream. Okay. And it'll be outdoors. So it'll be, you know, safe mm-hmm. in the climate that we're in. Yep. Yep. I like it. Well, I'll call you when that happens. Okay. You can call me. Well, thank you, Viv. I think that wraps it up. I really appreciate you going on this fun journey down memory lane with me. Of course. I love talking about rom-coms with you, Michelle. This is like, it feels like we're back in middle school at like a slumber party. So thank you for having me. Of course. I look forward to our next combo. Me too. Thank you to all tuning in to another episode of Rom-Com Weekly. You can check us out on Instagram at Rom-Com Weekly and you can follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please let us know what you think of this movie and would love to hear what you rate it from a scale of 1 to 10. And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye. Bye.